Blessed be the God of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God has given us a new birth in the living hope of the resurrection. God has given us an inheritance that is imperishable and unfading. In this we rejoice even when we suffer trials. For although we have not seen Jesus, we love him. And although we have not seen him, we believe in him. For the outcome of our faith is the salvation of our souls. Let us take a moment to give prayers of intercession. Resurrecting God in a doubting world, keep us in faith that we may have life. We pray for the church universal. Breathe on us your Holy Spirit that we may honor and pass on the great inheritance that we receive. Keep us in faith that we may have life. We pray for Mother Earth that we may touch her wounds with healing care and love. Keep us in faith that we may have life. We pray for the whole world, its nations, its leaders, and its peoples, that your wisdom and peace may prevail. Keep us in faith that we may have life. We pray for all of those in need, the suffering, the oppression, the ill, the dying, and all those who care for them. Keep us in faith that we may have life. We pray for ourselves and our families and those that we love. Keep us in faith that we may have life. Blessed are you, O God, who through Jesus Christ crucified and risen and in the community of the Holy Spirit gives us an inheritance that is imperishable and unfading now and forever. Guiding God, send your Holy Spirit upon the reading of your word that it may serve, <clears throat> that it may serve to show us the path of life and lead us into your presence where there is fullness and joy. Amen. Today's scripture is out of John, chapter 20. I forgot to get it ready, so hold on a second. Talk about a lot of steps to get things going here. Chapter 20, verse 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. 
So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and hand and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is a bit here from John that reminds me of a list that I have in my mind. I have a list of things I intend on asking when I get to heaven. I assume with eternity at my fingertips, I'll have plenty of time to find the answers to the questions that I have thought, thought of throughout my life. John mentions in this pericope that there are many more stories of Jesus that are not written down. This is fascinating to me. I mean, obviously, we don't have the whole story. Clearly, we do not have a 33-year detailed account. But there is something about John writing those words that make it fascinating to know what else Jesus might have been up to. Whenever I have the opportunity to talk about my trip to Rome in 2017, I do it. I have, having spent most of my life traveling just between Michigan and Illinois, the fact that I got to leave the continent even for a second is, is still pretty cool to me. In reading today's passage, a memory of my trip popped into my head, and I'm sure that I have told you this before, but I'm going to do it again. We landed at 9 a.m. Rome time after having flown overnight from Chicago, we dropped our stuff off in our rooms and we hit the ground running. In the very first place we stopped was a basilica named Santa Croce de, de Jerusalem, which is the Holy Cross of Jerusalem. Inside of the basilica are relics brought back to Rome from Emperor Constantine's mother, Helena. Helena had been a Christian even before the religion had been legalized by her son, Constantine. He had, he had allowed her to travel to Jerusalem on pilgrimage, where she gathered these relics and brought them back. There's a glass case inside this basilica that holds some of the most precious relics in the Catholic faith, including broken bits of the thorns from the crown. Uh, the rest of the crown is actually in Notre Dame in Paris. A piece of the wooden plaque that Pilate wrote, King of the Jews, in three languages. And what stuck out most 
of this glass case to me was that there's a bone fragment housed in the shape of a, it's in a finger-shaped cage. And it said that it is the finger of Thomas. The very finger that is believed to, that he placed inside Jesus's wounds. Somewhere in my house, there is a postcard of this glass case. Since it is, since it was still my first few hours in the city, I was, uh, I was still following the rules and, and not taking any pictures, so I bought the postcard. Today's passage of Thomas is essential to our faith. Up until Good Friday, the faith of the people that followed Christ had had been because they of what they could see, what they experienced firsthand. Within decades of when the Gospels were first written down, the last of Jesus' disciples had died. Never again on earth would eyes physically see Jesus, or even noses and tongues confirm Jesus' presence. It is through these senses that people were able to make the connection between Jesus' words and his actions, and his place as the Son of God. There is a human need for touch and for sight, and Jesus gave the invitation to Thomas to touch and to see. Our senses are how we learn, it is how we grow. We learn that by touching something hot, we will get burned. We learn that the cookies smell great and therefore are probably safe for consumption, but stink bugs smell and thus probably aren't. Our sight and our hearing give us clues as to what is transpiring around us. It is how we know when something is real. It is how we can sometimes begin to reconcile what is happening to us. It is part of what makes us human. Thomas, known these days as Doubting Thomas, seems to get a little bit of a bad rap, I think. When I think about what it must have been like those first few hours and days after Jesus died on the cross, what what it would have been like after following someone around for years, believing and living into the words that he had said, seeing the miracles that he had done, to watch him be taken away, beaten, and killed, that must have been absolutely devastating. We do not know why Thomas was not with the rest of them when Mary arrived with the news of the risen Christ. We don't know if he had needed to withdraw from the rest to mourn on his own. Maybe he had family in Jerusalem and decided to spend the Passover with them. For whatever reason, Thomas was not with the others when they confirmed that Jesus had indeed risen. So of course he did not believe it when he finally came to the others. Of course when they told him that Jesus was alive, he did not comprehend the words. Thomas had seen them take Jesus away. He had heard the words of the crowd when they said, when they cried, crucify him. His eyes and his ears and his other senses had told him that Jesus was dead. 
there had only been one other person resurrected, and the man that performed that miracle was dead. Of course, Thomas doubted. Of course he did. From a logical standpoint, the whole idea of Jesus being resurrected was preposterous. Thomas's story is used to illustrate faith. It is used to tell us that we do not need our senses to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It is used to tell us that we should not be surprised when we see the miracles of God in our everyday lives. Faith is to believe without seeing, to know without a shadow of a doubt that something is there. There's a book that was written about 30 years ago called A Prayer for Owen Meany. In it, the author, John Irving, gives us a scene between characters of John and Owen. Around twilight, the boys go out to the statue of Mary Magdalene in the schoolyard. And when it becomes so dark that the statue is no longer visible, Owen asks John if he knows that the statue is still there. John says, well, yeah, it's there. Owen keeps at him. You have no doubt that she's there? Of course I have no doubt. You're ab you absolutely know that she's there, even though you can't see her. Yes. Well, now you know how I feel about God. Owen says, I can't see him, but I absolutely know that he is there. That is faith. Jesus is no longer in front of us, but he is there. He has not moved. Our view of him might be obscured. We might be busy, well, not so much with work these days, but with other things. Perhaps we have concerns about our lives, in our lives, about family, money, and of course, illness. We find ourselves in the darkness. And even though we are dealing with finding our way out of that darkness, Jesus Christ is still there. Still there when the sun begins to rise. Still there throughout the warm, sunny day. And still there when the darkness starts to come again. Our faith teaches us that no matter what, Jesus is still there. It did not take Thomas long to see the error in his initial judgment of his in of his friends he stood in disbelief even as jesus stood before him but once he had the invitation to see and to touch from jesus it was like the veil had been lifted from his eyes and he finally saw it's easy for us to scold thomas for his doubt surely we would never doubt jesus if he was looking us square in the face Personally, of all the things that the disciples do over the course of Jesus' time on earth, I think that Thomas's doubt seems to be among the lesser of things. Peter, for instance, who's considered the first pope of the church, the father of the faith as, the, as we know it, denied Jesus three times the night that he was arrested. But so often we do look Jesus right in the face and doubt whether he's really there. We do it every time we do not follow 
his teachings of the gospel. We do it every time we do not love our neighbor. Every time we do not feed the hungry, clothe the naked, or help the sick. We say that we have faith, but often until we have proof of something, we doubt, or worse, deny that Jesus is even involved. Many people are skeptical as to whether the relics in Rome are real or not. After all, we have no definitive proof that such a small fragment of bone is for sure that of the Apostle Thomas. Some say that Thomas was martyred in Malta by the Romans. Others say he was murdered in India. Regardless of whether that tiny bit of bone brought back to Rome in the 4th century is actually the bone of Thomas, it's more about what it represents and the connection to Jesus Christ that people feel when they see it. There are more basilicas, chapels, and churches than I can count in the city of Rome. There are seven major basilicas known as the seven pilgrim churches. Every year, thousands of people come to these churches because each one holds a different piece of history, a different piece and connection to Jesus Christ. Regardless of whether you are a devout Catholic or a devout Protestant, when you look upon something that connects you to Jesus, the emotion that washes over you is outstanding. When you gaze upon something that Jesus might have also gazed upon, it makes him even more real to you and closer to you. We certainly do not mean to doubt. We certainly do not mean to need tangible and real proof of Jesus. But we are who we are, and we need what we need. And the relics of Rome and other holy cities help our rational mind balance what we know to be true in our hearts. Jesus Christ is risen and is alive. Amen. And now let us pray together as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the God who loves and resurrects us give you a goodly portion of the Holy Spirit and new birth into a living hope. Amen.